Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad you decided to tune in. Fans, we have a great show for you today. Today, we're going to talk all about a very, very, very busy night last night in the system. On Thursday, Oklahoma City had a doubleheader. Tulsa was in action. Great Lakes, Rancho, they were in action as well. And, well, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they had, well, to put it point blank, just another dud yesterday against the Pirates. But overall, a good road series and a good road trip overall with a four and three record on the road on the road trip so hey we're going to talk all about that before we do just a reminder if you'd like to help dodgers daily we have the ability to donate now the link is in the description so just click that link you can go right to where you need to go to help donate to dodgers daily to help dodgers daily keep growing also if you like this video and if you like this kind of content go ahead and click that like button leave a comment tell all your friends about dodgers daily become a subscriber and click that notification bell that way every time dodgers daily release a new video you'll be notified and you won't miss a thing And we can keep growing and keep doing what we love to do, which is providing videos like this in the future. Okay. Again, yesterday, you know, hey, Oklahoma City, they had a doubleheader. And then Tulsa, they were in Arkansas. They play a doubleheader today, Friday, in Arkansas to make up for the rainout Wednesday night. Great Lakes, they had a big comeback win. And Rancho, we have lots of coverage on them, lots of good video, you know, of, of lots of guys that, hey, we haven't covered yet this year on this show. So I'm super excited about that. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our Dodgers talk on the other side of this. So let's not waste any more time and let's talk Dodgers baseball. So overall, you know, looking at the, the big picture, the Dodgers had a good road trip you know hey they had a winning road trip i should say and it looked like it had a chance there to be a really really good road trip as the dodgers had those two scrappy wins back to back but then you know the last two games really kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth so from a from a a big picture perspective the road trip you know anytime you have a winning road trip that's a good thing but from a you know a you know just the last two games it does you know just kind of make you think wow this this club is wildly inconsistent and it's kind of frustrating that it's up and down and, and that kind of thing. Okay, so let's get to, you know, I talk about the process every day. Are we putting ourselves in position? You know, not necessarily the results because baseball's so hard. You, you know, James Altman had the four strikeouts. It's going to happen with guys like him from time to time. You know, it's even happened to Freddie Freeman where he's had, you know, days that, that he struggled a touch. So, you know, the results every day aren't what you obsess over. It's the process of it. Okay, so – in the lineup yesterday, the Dodgers had six guys. Six guys in their lineup that were hitting under 200. Okay, so obviously, you know, you don't make knee-jerk reactions. You don't do any of that. We've talked about that several different times. And really nothing from a permanent perspective needs to be given any kind of consideration, in my opinion, until you get back, you know, all the guys that are on paternity list, Max Muncy, you know, Will Smith, J.D. Martinez, and all the guys that you actually built this team to be this year until you get all them back and you see them play for a month or so you really I don't think as far as long-term adjustments I don't think you even start even thinking about those but you don't you do start thinking about hey different scenarios and how we handle different scenarios if they don't play out in the way that you want so let me say this okay there is you know and I know the Dodgers have had the paternity list deals they've had Will Smith get injured Gavin Lux is injured Miguel Rojas is injured I get all that, okay? And, yes, that is a reason, you know, maybe for the fact that their lineup wasn't very offensive yesterday. Well, actually, 
depending on how you look at it. Some might think it was offensive. I kid there, but okay. So let me say this. There is no scenario on earth. The Dodgers have every single resource at their fingertips. They have the greatest instructors, the greatest scouting system. They have all the greatest technology. And, you know, they have the greatest developmental system, period, in a discussion. There's no situation ever that the Dodgers should be in a situation to where they're putting six guys in a lineup that are hitting below 200. Shouldn't be. That, to me, tells me that, you know, hey, either – you know, you're, you're relying on the wrong guys, you know, that have a track record of not being good offensive players. You know, of course, a couple of them, it's young in the season. I get that. So those numbers may change as the season goes on. Okay. But, and I get, you know, maybe, you know, there's some guys that, that have a better track record than they're performing to right now. And you really can't help that. But having said that, you know, uh, the Dodgers have too many resources. They have too many great players to ever put a lineup out there that has six guys in it that are hitting lower than 200. Let me give you a perfect case scenario. It's on the other side of the ball, but this just goes to show the depth that the Dodgers system has and how, in my opinion, they don't trust it well enough. Okay, Jose Hernandez, who made Freddie Freeman, you know, look like a human yesterday, looked really good. Jose Hernandez, who is having a really good year with the Pirates, Jose Hernandez has been incorporated into that Pirate bullpen, and he's been treated like a major leaguer. He feels like he has major league runway. He feels like, you know, he's part of the major league team and that he's not just up there for an audition. He doesn't feel like, hey, you know, if I don't perform in these next couple of games, then I'm probably going to get sent back down, this and that. Okay, we saw how good Jose Hernandez is yesterday. He did it to the Dodgers. He's been doing it all year long. That guy in the Dodgers system last year, this time last year, was in high A. As a matter of fact, when he got moved up from high A Great Lakes to double A Tulsa, he led the Midwest League in in saves with 10 at the time. And I posted several different times, hey, look at Jose Hernandez. He's hitting 99 left-handed. And I can tell you, you know, some really good base, Dodgers baseball fans were like, I didn't even know who this guy was as of about a week ago until I saw this post. That was a year ago or less than a year ago right now. So likely Jose Hernandez, if he was still a Dodger, he would still be in double-A Tulsa. Okay? That same guy incorporated properly into a major league lineup, into a major league bullpen, made to feel comfortable, made to feel like, hey, you're here for the long run. Don't worry. This Hey, you're going to get the proper runway to both do good and to do bad. Just relax, be yourself, get comfortable. That guy is now very good at the major league level. So the Dodgers have arm after arm after arm. They have offensive talent after offensive talent after offensive talent that, if incorporated properly, can do exactly, exactly what Jose Hernandez is doing for the Pirates, what Gus Varlin, who was still in double-A Tulsa last year at the end of last year. And, you know, it was a surprise to many. I think maybe even a little bit of a surprise to Gus that he was picked up in the Rule 5 draft. But, again, if you look at what he was doing last year, he got moved to the pin. He had the ride and run to the fastball. He had the 98 miles an hour. And towards the end of last year, he was pitching really, really good. That's a guy that's incorporated into, of course, he doesn't have as many appearances, but, he, you know, the time that he's had 
at the major league level. You know, the Brewers have made it real clear to him, hey, you've earned this. So, hey, just relax, be comfortable, and go be Gus Varland because we think Gus Varland is, is good enough to be a major leaguer right now. He's having success. So my point is the Dodgers' developmental system throughout the minor league ranks, they have so many guys that are so ready to help like Jose Hernandez that there's no scenario ever that they should have six guys in a lineup that are hitting under 200. They have too many talented people in their system. They have too many Andy Pajeses. They have too many, you know, Johnny DeLucas. They have too many Jose Ramoses. They have too many Drew Avenses, Ryan Wards. They have too many of those guys. And then again, you're, you know, like you bring up Luke Williams and then he doesn't play very often. You know, Michael Bush, how many at-bats is he going to get? That kind of thing, you know. And, and Gavin Lux, and he brought him up. He got spotty playing time. He didn't get to play the position he grew up playing. So it wasn't a comfortable situation. Okay, so so we've seen what with the talent the Dodgers develop whenever they are they are they are transitioned to the major league level in a comfortable setting where they have runway to get comfortable just how talented these guys are. We saw it with our own eyes yesterday. So from that perspective, I do understand that's kind of a rant and a kind of a tangent. That's how I feel. Hey, leave me a comment. Tell me, hey, where am I wrong on that? Am I too thick on that? Is that too heavy? You know, um, where I'm, where if, if I did go wrong, you know, like we always have great conversation. Where do you think I went wrong on that? Because, again, I understand that Will Smith, fantastic player. You know, J.D. Martinez, fantastic player. Max Muncy, fantastic player. All these guys. I understand the Dodgers don't have them right now, and I understand that greatly affects your offense. But, you know, that just kind of reminds me, being an Oklahoma State fan, you know, smaller school, we, you know, we usually, what usually separates us between the bigger schools, you know, we usually have the top end talent, but it's the depth. You know, the Dodgers should be deeper than that. They just should be. You know, they should have more depth into, you know, hey, if you're missing a couple, maybe even three guys. If you're missing three of your main guys that I'm not saying you have to be great, but, but you shouldn't drop off to having six guys that are hitting under 200. Okay. I've talked, talked, talked about that. You're probably bored of hearing me talk about that. So I will move on to something else. Okay. So, this team right now, it's up and down. It's inconsistent. You know, hey, when they when they win, they score a lot of runs. When they lose, they're scoring the second fewest amount of runs of any team in Major League Baseball. I believe I read that stat the other day. It's somewhere. It may not be second at this point because I read it the other day. But, but when the Dodgers lose, they are somewhere towards the bottom of Major League Baseball in terms of runs scored. So there's a big discrepancy of runs scored whenever you win and runs scored when you lose. Okay, this looks like to me – just from an overall perspective, a team where nobody is comfortable. And whenever that's the case, you know, when you look out, nobody, you know, they just don't look like they're playing comfortably. You know, the one thing that baseball players always say is that the one place on earth where they feel the most comfortable is a baseball field. Baseball players want to feel comfortable. And to be honest with you, really nobody on the field right now as far as position players and even, you know, the bullpen guys, and you could go into the, the starting rotation as well. Nobody looks comfortable to me right now. And that tells me that you're, you're putting together so many different pieces. You brought in so many new pieces, you know, as far as veterans to incorporate with rookies, to incorporate with your core that return, you know, that, and, and then you've had injuries and all that, that, that you, you just haven't had time. You haven't had the ability to get everybody together long enough to get everybody's roles defined and to get everybody comfortable within their skin, comfortable within their role. So then, you know, once they become comfortable, they can produce and perform at the level they're capable of. 
That's what I see. You know, hey, am I wrong there? What do you think about that? You know, hey, do the Dodgers need to do a better job of saying, hey, this is your role, this is his role? You know, when you look at the guys that are that are on this team, they know what they're capable of. I mean, I think James Altman surprised everybody with the way that he came out of the gate. You know, I mean, there were lots of Dodgers reporters and big-time reporters that are usually right that didn't even think he was going to make the opening day roster. So I think he did surprise some people. He struggled yesterday, obviously, and the strikeouts have been trending up a little bit in the wrong direction, so that's not good. But overall, he's looked good, you know. So so he surprised some people. But overall, you know, hey, the Dodgers know what they have. I mean, the far as the players are putting out there – they know what they can do. So, so you know, are they being – you know, is this taking too long? So, what's the identity? You know, that kind of thing. So, it, to me, it just looks like a team that, that has a bunch of guys that aren't comfortable. The roles have not been identified. And because of that, it just kind of wanders around. And, hey, if the wind blows this direction, the, the, the boat goes this way one day. And if the wind changes directions, it goes back the other way the next day. That's just kind of the way it looks to me. Having said that, the Dodgers have – put all this together and they have figured out a way to survive i mean they're still right there they have not they have not done anything that that would make anything other than it'd be neutral at this point of the year to where they can hey this all i'm talking about about getting everybody comfortable getting all these roles defined hey maybe mid-june maybe towards the end of june you can kind of see how this is all shaping up and get everybody together long enough to define roles and to get everybody comfortable then at that point i think you can assess from a long-term perspective Hey, what are the long-term needs for this team to win a World Series? Because I've said it a couple of different times now. There's only, you know, uh, there's only one scenario where this season would be a failure for me. And that is if you don't win a World Series and then you also don't develop your future. Okay, so if the Dodgers don't win a World Series and then also end up playing a whole bunch of 33-year-old veterans that may not even be with the club next year or certainly won't be at the club very much longer, and you didn't win a World Series and none of your rookies you know, got incorporated into the lineup and, and, and got comfortable and, and defined their future roles for the organization – that's where this season would end up being a failure. So you have to do one of two things. You've either got to, you know, hey, go. Obviously, you go all in every day. You put the got the lineup out there to win every game, and the goal is to win a World Series. So you got to do one of two things. You've either got to win a World Series. If you win a World Series, it doesn't matter. If your if your rookies develop, if they don't develop, it doesn't matter. If you win a World Series, it is a total success. So you've either got to do that, or if you don't win a World Series, you got to develop all your rookies to where Dodgers fans can see the future and they can understand that the future is bright and that the Dodgers are in a position with these young players to win a World Series next year and for all those years beyond. Those are the two outcomes that you have to have. Anything beyond that, that's where it becomes a failure for 2023. But again, it's way too early to start talking about any of those types of things at this point because, again, it's still, you know, it's still very early in the season. Okay. So, all right. The next issue that we're going to talk about, and I've talked about it a couple of different times, holding runners on. You know, the, the Dodgers, they, they don't put a great emphasis on it because they would rather the, the pitcher concentrate on the, the hitter at the plate. Got to change. I mean, the Dodgers just simply were not – I've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts. But it's certainly, you know, when there's a runner on second base and there's, you know, one out, okay, that third base is a huge base to give up because now if you have a runner on third base with just one out, the other team can score without getting a hit. And the Dodgers aren't even looking at, 
at the base runners to even hold them on. They're just giving up third base with less than two outs, which is a huge base. So, hey, the, the Dodgers need to sit back down in the war room. They need to figure out what they have to do to incorporate you know, a slide step, how to hold runners, because it is that time. There, there is no way that it, it is sustainable, you know, especially the way the D-backs play. It's not sustainable to not hold runners and to let other teams just steal bases wildly on on this club, especially considering that offensively, hey, it would be one thing if you were also stealing four or five bases a game and you were matching the other team's stolen base totals, but the Dodgers aren't stealing a whole lot of bases themselves. So if you end up the season and you've given up, you know, twice as many or more than twice as many stolen bases than you've actually stolen yourself, that's going to be a pretty tough formula to win games with. So that is a situation the Dodgers absolutely have to fix. Okay, so, all right, two-game losing streak. The Dodgers, I said, like I said, they're just staying above water right now until they can get everybody healthy, get everybody comfortable, define roles. Hey, it's going to be great to get back home in it. And, hey, this is why you have a Hall of Famer on your staff, Clayton Kershaw. Get that thing cut off. Get that two-game skid out of the way. Go out, be the Hall of Famer you are, and shut down the game tonight and get, put the Dodgers back in the win column. And I know Dodgers fans are going to be excited to see the Dodgers back in town tonight. So, hey, there is our talk on Los Angeles Dodgers. Leave me a comment. Is there anything in there that you disagree with? Hey, that's great. We love to talk Dodgers. Let me know what you think. Let me know where you think I went wrong. Where do you think I went right? Let's let's talk Dodgers baseball. I could do it any day and every day and twice on Sunday. So, hey, that concludes our talk about the Dodgers for today. We're now going to focus and turn our focus to the minor league system, which was very busy yesterday. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it, and let's take a trip down on the farm. The AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers got rained out on Wednesday, so they played a doubleheader on Thursday. You're seeing Gavin Stone here. This is a video I took from his performance yesterday. He was very, very good in the first game. The Oklahoma City Dodgers, they won 5-2 behind Gavin Stone. A good start. He went five innings. He gave up three hits. Just one run, one earned run. He had eight strikeouts in five innings. So Gavin Stone, you saw a slider. He used his slider more yesterday. That changeup you're going to see here in a minute. You've probably already seen it a couple times. It's, there it is right there. That changeup, a very, very, very good pitch for Gavin Stone. So a good outing for him. He went five innings yesterday. Offensively, the Oklahoma City Dodgers pounded out eight hits and five runs. And so it was a good first game for Oklahoma City. As I said, Gavin Stone, there's that slider. He threw that slider a little bit more yesterday than he normally does, just giving the River Cats a little different look. And that changeup, I'll tell you what, he threw a cup. There's that changeup. Look at that thing. Dive into the dirt and just tumble away from the barrel of the hitter. So, you know, he had that changeup slider and then also his big four seam working yesterday. In the second game, William Cuevas got the start. He went five really good innings. Then Taylor Scott, Wander Squero, they came in. And they blanked the River Cats as well. So Oklahoma City, they won a doubleheader yesterday, and they moved to 18 and 6 on the season. And again, this is Gavin Stone. You were seeing his live performance yesterday. 
Great job, young man. The young man out of Lake City, Arkansas, went to Riverside High. He is going. There's that slider. He didn't throw that one for a strike, but the slider was very tight yesterday, and he kept it away from right-handers, especially on a cooler day. That was overcast to a lot of weak contact. Then he had a lot of swing and miss on that changeup. Devin Mann had two hits yesterday, including his league-leading 13th double. This is an entire bat. If you go to any of my social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can see the entire bat from Devin Mann. Of course, we might get through the whole thing right here. But again, he hit his league-leading 13th double that you're seeing right here. So great job, Devin Mann. The next closest guy in the PCL, look at him run to second base there. The next closest guy in the PCL has nine doubles. So Devin Mann that you're seeing right there on your screen, he leads the PCL in doubles by four. So doing a great job, Devin Mann. And he is also seven for his last 18. He has five doubles during his last 18 at-bats and 11 total bases. So Devin Mann is hot for AAA Oklahoma City. So I could not wait to see Brian Hudson, 6'8", left-handed pitcher, throw in person. And I'll be honest with you, he did give up a run. But he was very impressive. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of the slingshot, the whip, the way it comes out of his hand. The ball stays hidden. You can see it right here. So, hey, I wanted to give you a good look at six foot eight Brian Hudson, who has had a good year to this point. And, you know, it's kind of intriguing. One of those guys that has all the measurables, obviously the size. You know, he's about 91, 92, 93, but he hides the ball very well. So, couldn't wait to see him in person. And, like I said, here is his entire inning he threw yesterday. That's, there's the one run he gave up. So, if you want to go to my social media, actually, I think we played through the entire inning that he had. Actually, I'm not quite sure if we have or not. But, hey, if you want to go to one of my social medias, I have his entire inning. It's a close-up video just like this of him pitching. So, there's a good look again at six foot eight. Left-handed reliever Brian Hudson. So if you follow Dodgers Daily much, you know how high I am on right-hander Nick Robertson that you're seeing on the screen here. And one of the things I always say about him, look how he hides the baseball right here. Watch him drop. It's behind his back, and then you don't see it again until it's almost all the way out of his hand. So it's very deceptive. Look at that hitter right there. He's like, wow, I didn't even see that ball. Turns around to the dugout like, man, what was that? You know, so look at him hide the ball right there. Look, you can tell that hitter right there did not, that was not a comfortable looking take. I'm just telling you, and look at that. The hitter pulled off. He thought it was a pitch on the inside part of the plate, and it actually slid away from him. I'm just telling you, Nick Robertson's fastball, it, it just has something to it that hitters just can't identify. One, it's it's deceptive, so it's hidden pretty well. And two, you know, it's 94 to 96, and then he's long with that extension. So, hey, Nick Robertson did a good job yesterday for AAA Oklahoma City. I was super excited to get to see him in person, and I was not disappointed. Here's an bat from Yanni Hernandez. I have him, and I have Steven Duggar, and I have, you know, basically all the guys, Bradley Zimmer, Ryan Ward, I have him getting a base hit, and Drew Avens, all those guys. I have videos just like this. I wanted to show you Yanni Hernandez because he's been very hot lately, and he also got called up just the other day, Called got called back down kind of the, the Carson Fulmer treatment he got. He didn't get DFA'd or anything like that, but uh, you know, I want to show you Yanni Hernandez in this video just to go to show, hey, I've got plenty of video like this, you know, to, to uh, if you want to go to Twitter and, and see these guys or, or Instagram or Facebook and see these guys close up and what an at-bat looks like from about the third row, I've got video on there. So I wanted to show you this. This is Yanni Hernandez. The Drillers were only able to score one run, and that was in the ninth inning, and that was when they trailed three to nothing at that point. You're looking at Kyle Hurt right there. So they did lose yesterday to drop their season record to 11-6 and six on the year. Ouch, that hurts. Carson Taylor, that's the catcher that just took one in a bad spot. And, he, boy, I tell you what, he had a good day. Proof that we're going to get to him here in a minute, but 
Carson Taylor, I'm glad to see the type of day he had yesterday. We'll get to his day, like I said, with his video. In just a minute, who you're looking at right here is Kyle Hurt. I tell you what, Kyle Hurt, he has been just absolutely ridiculous this year so far. Kyle Hurt, you know, that explosive fastball that's reached as high as 99. That right there, that's about 97 that you saw on that pitch. Okay, so his fastball is approaching 100 miles an hour. His changeup was dirty last night. That slider, he didn't throw up for a strike there. But that has been a very good pitch that he has been landing in the strike zone as well. Look at that changeup. That is absolutely dirty, especially when you're considering that he's hitting close to 100 miles an hour. Then look, he throws that four-seam fastball to the exact same tunnel of the changeup. And then, he's, then, then he also throws the slider to that same tunnel. So you saw the, the changeup, the fastball, and the slider. There's another slider to that exact same low and away four-slot tunnel. That is elite. And then he mixes that and pairs that with a four-seam up and in to the righty. So not only is the stuff big, not only is it electric, not only is it explosive, it's also very skilled as far as the locations and the tunnels that Kyle Hurt is hitting right now. That's why he's been virtually unhittable to this point. He's yet to give up a run. He has an average against of just 142 and a whip of just 0.93. He has 18 strikeouts and 9.2 innings. So, hey, Kyle Hurt, man, this guy right here, he's absolutely electric. Look at that breaking ball. Just breaks off the table. That four seam looks like it's got some serious ride to it. So, Kyle Hurt, keep up the great work, young man. What more can you say about League City native Braden Fisher? He is absolutely on a heater. He has yet to allow an earned run at 8.2 innings this year. His whip is down to just 0.46. Yes, that is his whip. His average against is also 0.46. So a whip and an average against of just 0.46. He has 13 strikeouts and just one walk. So fantastic start to the season to a fantastic young pitcher with just a fantastic process, young Mr. Braden Fisher. We saw catcher Carson Taylor take one to a spot that is not very kind. This is proof there's baseball guys. Look at this. He just kind of is out front. He just dumps one right in front of the right fielder. And he actually had two hits last night. And the second one you're getting ready to see here is pretty similar, but it's to the left field. So, hey, man, after taking that shot that he took, watch this right there. Just got one of them's off the end of the bat. The other one's off the hand. And this one dumps in there, too, for two hits. So after taking that shot that he took, how about the baseball gods giving it back with those two hits? Well done, young man, Mr. Carson Taylor. I've talked a lot and a lot about Jose Ramos in the last couple of years and the couple of things that I've said about him, hey, you know, cut down on the strikeouts and then also steal more bases. I'll tell you what, man, this absolutely, of course, he's always been extremely good. He's always been extremely explosive. He's always been the five-toolish type of player. Look at that hit right there, though. This is the best he's looked, hands down, since he's been in the organization. And I know a lot of guys and a lot of people have been very excited about him. Okay, as excited as they've been in the past, this is the best he's ever played. He's pitting the ball to all fields. He's has, he has power to all fields. His strikeout numbers, you know, his, his strikeout rate is down 8.5% from last year. And his average is at 304. His OPS is 894. And that's not a coincidence. You know, hey, you know whenever you start using all fields, Whenever you start cutting down on your strikeouts by close to 10%, all of a sudden, I'll be darned, your average goes up over 300. Your OPS is almost 900. And so, Jose Ramos, I tell you what, like I said, as impressed as I've always been with this young man, as impressed as everybody's always been with him, 
He is playing the best that he ever has, in my opinion, since he's been in the organization. Big thanks to Austin Brubaker, who brought us this video yesterday, live from Fort Wayne, Indiana. That was an awesome deal. And boy, I tell you what, Great Lakes, they have been a very fun team to watch. They came back and won last night, six to four. It was an exciting game. They did, you know, kind of, they've been that slow starting team offensively in games. Again, last night, they didn't even score until the fifth inning when they put up a crooked number. They scored two in the fifth. They scored one in the sixth. They were still down four to three at that point. They were down four to three going into the eighth inning. That's when they put up a three spot in the eight to take a six to four lead. Jake Polarski came in the 101 Express, which is what I like to call him. He came in throwing darts and got his sixth save of the season, which leads the Midwest League in saves. We'll get into a little bit more than that here in a minute. You are looking at Austin Gothier, who has just had a fantastic year. Austin Gothier's average is up there. You know, close to 400 at this time in the season. And, you know, he's just a fantastic young hitter. He's a young man. I, t I talk about it every time I talk about Austin Gothier. But, hey, you know, he uses the opposite field so well. His opposite field percentages last year were higher than his full percentages. He had two hits again yesterday, including his fifth double. Okay, and he's hitting 385. I said he's close to 400 to be exact. Austin Gothier is hitting exactly 385. He has hits in seven games in a row. He's five for his last 11. He has three doubles and 10 total bases of Austin Gothier. He's on a heater to start 2023. My man Taylor Young hit his first home run of the year. This is not his home run that you're seeing on this screen here, but this is one of his base hits. He did have two hits last night. Again, this video credit is thanks to Austin Brubaker. Go to Austin's Twitter. Austin, It's at Austin Brew, A-U-S-T-I-N-B-R-U. It's capital A, capital B, 99. So that's Austin Brew, 99. He has all the video you could possibly need. He's the biggest Loons fan on earth, and I thank him so much for being there last night and providing these live videos of the Loons in action. Taylor Young, my man, the young man out of Louisiana Tech. Okay, uh, last year, you know, whenever he got drafted, uh, you know, his 375 average OPS 10-10 in last season in September was pretty impressive. Considering the fact that he came off such an elite, you know, career offensively, at Louisiana Tech. So good to see this young man getting going in 2023. It's been a little bit slow for him. Not worried about that at all. Had a big day yesterday. Good job, Taylor Young. Orlando Ortiz went 3.1 scoreless innings yesterday for the Great Lakes Loons. He struck out four, walked just one, and gave up no hits. Here's a live look again. And again, this is from Austin Brubaker from his fantastic seats there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The Fort Wayne 10 caps taking on the Great Lakes Loons. And I will talk over this until we actually get to see a live pitch from Orlando Ortiz, who again went 3.1 scoreless innings last night. So, well, I think we're going to get to it here in just a second. Let me click play. So here is the pitch right there. So look at that good change up for the last out, the strikeout of the last inning that he threw of his 3.1 scoreless innings. Julian Smith had another really good outing. And, boy, I love watching this young man pitch. Just his energy, kind of that Dontrell Willis type feel to him. He is really coming into his own, Julian Smith is. And I am so excited about that because I love this young man. Had a chance to talk to him. 
thoroughly enjoyed getting the chance to speak with him. Look at you know that good little slider pitch right there that you just saw, and the energy, the confidence. Watch the swag that he carries himself with. You know, he's humble, but still very confident. Okay, so Julian Smith has gone scoreless in four of his last five outings. He has an average against this year of just 125. We'll watch this next pitch right here. Good leg kick as he gets, and then there is a good delivery, and that pitch just dives out of the zone, swung and missed. And his whip, Julian Smith, is just 0.86. So keep up the great energy. Keep up the swag, young man, Julian Smith. Alex Freeland actually had the go-ahead hit yesterday in this double and watch the energy he brings to this team. You know, Daniel Nava, boy, the energy he brings. The double here that scored a pair and actually gave the Great Lakes Loons the lead. You can see they were losing 4-3 to three here. This put them from 4-3 to three down. Look at that excitement and energy. From 4-3 to three down to ahead 5-4, to four, which eventually we're getting to our next video set up Jake Polarski to come in and get his sixth save of the season. Here is that action from Jake Polarski, who again has the Midwest League leading six saves on the year. That leads the Midwest League by two saves. And considering that the Loons so far on the season are they're 10 and 8, which is good, you know, but hey, that is absolutely fantastic to have that many saves to lead the league by two saves. You know, I mean, your team's, it's not like we're playing 800 ball or anything like that. So, Jake Polarski, fantastic job. And, he, and I'll just throw this narrative out there. At this time last year, Jose Hernandez led the Midwest League in saves as well. Matter of fact, Jose Hernandez led Midwest League in saves when he was promoted to AA Tulsa. And guess what? He shut down the Dodgers at the big league level yesterday. Just saying. If you watched any of spring training, you would realize just how slick the fielding skills are of Jose Izada, who you're seeing right here. He is just a really, really good defender. Really just kind of, I like to call him a slick fielder because, you know, he has some flash to him. But he doesn't have flash without being fundamental. Some guys can be fundamental and flashy at the same time. He is one of those guys. This is a leadoff home run he hit last night for the Quakes. He also had two hits on the night. And he has hits in seven games in a row. And he also has four multi-hits in his last seven games played. So, hey, not only can he use the leather, he can also use the wood. Jose Izada. So, Jermaine Rosario, okay, talked about many different times last year. Hey, last year he'd have almost a no-hitter, one performance, and then the next performance he wouldn't even make it, you know, barely out of the first inning because he wasn't throwing strikes. Okay, so he had to figure out the strike zone, had to get the ball in the strike zone. How about this? Jermaine Rosario, he has his, his walks per nine down to 1.5, okay? His strikeouts per nine at the same time, it's 14.25. So he's averaging striking out over 14 hitters a game and walking only one and a half per game. That's why he's off to such a great start. I think, you know, his ERA is at 3.38. I think if he continues to throw as, you know, as far as not walking people and continuing to strike guys out, I think that ERA will come down even way more than that. And he'll have some pretty elite numbers if he continues to command the strike zone as he had. He went four innings last night. He gave up just one run. And last night he had five strikeouts and one walk. Good job, Jermaine Rosario. This is Yoel Ibarra for the Quakes. He went two innings last night scoreless. He didn't allow a hit. In fact, Ibarra has yet to allow a run so far this year in his five outings. That spans nine innings, which would be a complete game. So how about that? Has not allowed a run so far this year. 
here. So great job. Yo, El Ibarra wanted to give you a good look at him. Very exciting young arm. Now he's probably, oh, in the 94 to 96 range, somewhere in there. So Yo, El Ibarra, good job. Look at that tight little, I don't know if he calls that a cutter or a slider. I actually will message him and ask him what he labels that because I like to be accurate with that. Whichever way it is, you know, that shape right there is very tight and it's tunneled off of that fastball. So that's a very good pitch. You are looking at Jason Cabrera and the fastball you're seeing here is at 96 miles an hour. He was back on the bump last night for Rancho. He's thrown just 6.2 innings in the last two years. This is a good story. This young man has dealt with injury. He did not throw hardly at all last year, didn't hardly throw in 2021. And then in 2020, we know that that the COVID season got shut down for the minor leagues. And so from that perspective, he has not thrown a whole lot in the last couple of years. So it's good to see Jason Cabrera back on the bump and throwing that 96-mile-an-hour fastball and getting back up and, and looking good. Live arm right there. Look at that, 96. So there you have it. There's our show for you today. We talked all about the Dodgers, some of the things that I think uh, I would like to see, you know, as far as some of the improvements that need to be made, some of the outlooks as far as a hey, long-term versus short-term, and, hey, knee-jerk versus not knee-jerk, all those kinds of things. And, again, a lot of these shows, to be honest with you, for me, it's just therapy. I always talk about coaches. I wasn't big on post-game talks because I felt like they were just simply there to make the coaches feel better because you weren't in a position to go out and practice and actually do anything about it at that moment. I always like to sleep on it, wait till the next day, wait to address the team if you needed to, to right before the next practice to where after you address them with all the things you need, you would like to see changed or fixed, then you can go right directly after you said that and go practice and actually do it on the field so you know most of these podcasts for me are therapy especially after a couple of what i consider to be dud performances for the dodgers and so is the minor league system because i thoroughly enjoyed watching oklahoma city win their doubleheader yesterday i thoroughly enjoyed you know the great lakes comeback and then you know rancho and 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 tulsa had good games as well so that was fun as well so hey i hope you enjoyed the show today and i hope you tune in also tomorrow. Hey, just one, remark, one more reminder before we get out of here. We do have the ability to donate to Dodgers Daily. The link is in the description, so just click the link if you would like to donate to Dodgers Daily. Also, if you like this video and if you like this kind of content, go ahead and click that like button, leave a comment, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily, become a subscriber, and click that notification bell. That way, you won't miss a thing from Dodgers Daily. You'll get notified every time we release a new video. Dodgers Daily can keep growing, and we can keep doing what we love, which is providing videos like this for you in the future. As always, thanks for tuning in, and go Dodgers!